Hello and welcome to One to Grow On, a show where we dig into questions about agriculture and try to understand how food production impacts us and our world. My name is Hallie Casey and I studied and currently work in agriculture. And I'm Chris Casey, Hallie's dad. Each episode we pick an area of agriculture or food production to discuss. And this week we are talking about new farmers with Marcus Coleman. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. It's an awesome opportunity. Yeah, thanks. It's great to meet you. Oh, good, good. No, it's, uh, you know, you guys are over in Texas, correct? Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, it was, I think it was supposed to be last week, LSU was supposed to be playing University of Texas. So I wish we had that lead in going to that. It would be been even a, a greater conversation, maybe a little trash talking if you both are Longhorn fans. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just keep it rolling with the ag, right? Yeah, I have a feeling it would have gone a lot better for you than it would have for us, but I see where you're coming from. You sound like a smart man, you know. You, you <laughs> go Tigers, right? <laughs> no, it's it's great. Um, I'm here at LSU. I work in the Ag Center. I run a beginning farmer training program. I'm wrapping up my PhD. I'm a football fan. Um, did I mention that I was a football fan? You know, the Saints play tonight. It's all great here in South Louisiana. Um, so I'm looking forward to the rest of the day. But are you a football fan? Um, a little bit, <laughs> you know, I think I'll watch it maybe like once a, a day, <laughs> whether it's like a game or ESPN or, or whatever the case is, you know, I try to get just a little bit in to keep my day rolling. So, so let me ask you real quick, how do you feel about them being back? Really? Is it like, I'm so glad I get to watch football or, okay, well, here they are. I guess I'll go ahead and watch it. Depends on what hat I put on. As, as, as my college football hand, uh, fan hat, I, I'm excited about it, um, particularly for SEC football, the greatest football in the country. Um, and for a while, I, I, I did some work with, with the football team here. I helped to run a couple of their morning study halls. Um, so I'm excited to see the young men that I work with get back on the field and you know kind of run through the rest of the SEC and anybody else that gets in their way. Um, you know, but at a certain point, it's like, there's just so much talking about it. Well, maybe they'll play, maybe they won't. And so it's kind of like, uh, you know what, I guess I'll watch, but I didn't a little bit more excitement about that than, you know, you're just, just that level of it. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So not to interrupt the football talk, but I, I didn't actually invite Marcus here to talk about <laughs> agriculture. Well, certainly, um, yeah, no ag, you know, ag is my passion. I grew up in rural Northeast Louisiana, um, Tinsaw Parish um, in the Mississippi Delta, um, Tinsaw, Madison, and East Carroll Parishes here in Louisiana are probably recognized as the three poorest parishes in the state. Um, but those three parishes are dominated by agricultural production of commodities crops. Uh, so we grow a lot of corn, soybeans, and uh, cotton in that corner of the state. And so agriculture is what I saw growing up. In fact, I was up in that, uh, in that corner of the state. Um, this weekend, they're getting ready to for cotton production. And, and, and I was joking with some friends that there's no greater smell in the, in the air than defoliation <laughs> chemicals are being sprayed on cotton and prepared for the for production. <laughs> so uh, I still kind of had that scent in my nose from the weekend trip. But, uh, um, you know, that kind of reminded me of my childhood. The other part of it, um, why I'm interested in, in, in doing uh, farmer access and food access work was because, you know, growing up in that environment of the state, uh, I saw big ag, you know, I saw large commodities production and, and I didn't, 
with my background and who I was, I didn't have access to the land. I didn't have access to those capital resources to engage in agriculture at that level of production. Um, and so throughout my career, I've looked for ways to get everybody or provide opportunities for everybody to be engaged in agriculture. And so agriculture in the food system. And so whether it's, whether it's somebody growing on an eighth of an acre to somebody growing a hundred acres to sell um, direct at a farmer's market or a CSA or sell direct to a grocery store, um, those are the things that I'm interested in. And, and you know, those are things that I, I saw a whole in, in my community growing up. So it's exciting to be able to do this work now. So how did you get to doing this work? It sounds like you grew up in a rural area, but did you grow up on a farm? No, it all started at a football stadium. No, I'm joking. Really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, so I grew up in a small rural town. I didn't grow up on a farm, but there was a cotton field 50 yards down the street from my house. And so um, you know, anybody familiar with uh, you know, rural towns and rural communities know that you either live in town or out in the country, right? Um, I lived in the town. And so agriculture was just something um, that I was around. Uh, you know, I'm between old enough before we became a totally mechanized in agriculture where um, kids that grew up with me still, you know, had summer jobs chopping cotton and making $200 a week and use that money, you know, throughout the summer, collect that money throughout the summer to buy their school clothes. And so I had an introduction to production agriculture, you know, ever since I was a small child. Uh, but, you know, seeing that kind of level of hard work, sweating under the hot sun, let me know that, you know, production agriculture may not have been the thing for me. Um, so that's why I decided to get into the educational side of it. So you run the Grow Louisiana program, right? Um, yes, I'm the program director, correct. Can you tell me a little bit about that program? Um, so the Grow Louisiana Beginning Farmer Training Program is uh, an extension program. It's funded by the USDA uh, Beginning Farmer and Rancher Development Program. Um, we're coming up on the third year of this project, um, but we focus on horticulture and specialty crops. Um, and so, you know, growing fruits and vegetables or microgreens or, you know, other products that, you know, primarily uh, for market farmers or, or market gardeners, people can sell at farmers markets. It's been our, uh, our, our clientele, if you will, that we work with. Um, but the program we focus all the way from the technical aspects of production all the way to business development and business training. Um, one of my key things in that I'm interested in is when we're working with farmers and we're working with uh, farmers that are interested in selling more direct to consumer is making sure that you're treating your farming operation like a business. And so um, when folks come through our program, we try to make sure that they have a business plan, um, a marketing plan, you know, be able to think through those processes just like they were, just like if they were developing any other business, put that same amount of effort and fortitude and thought process into developing your farm, your farm business. And so, uh, we've had a cohort down in New Orleans. Our first cohort was in New Orleans in 2019. Um, this year, we moved over to Lafayette, Louisiana, um, and, and we're getting ready to kick off a cohort here in Baton Rouge. And, you know, our, our, our folks that, you know, we work with, you know, people that, you know, have no farming experience to folks that come in with, you know, some experience working on a farm somewhere. And so um, our, our message to them is very simple. Whether you have a, a Point one or an eighth of an acre of two fifty acres, uh, we can we can transform you into a, a productive farmer in this food system. So earlier you were talking about working uh, with students in some capacity with your job at the university, but this sounds like you work with uh, farmers in the community. 
So you just do a little bit of everything, it sounds like? Man, you know what? I'm a jack of all trades. Um, <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> uh, this particular program is an extension program. So it, it focuses um, on folks out in the community. Um, so um, in our first two cohorts, we had 18 people in each one of those cohorts. And those, you know, there's no, the only requirement is that you be a new and beginning farmer, meaning that you have no experience um, or you have less than 10 experience um, in farming. And you can put together a compelling enough story to, to, to convince us why you're going to be a successful farmer. Um, and all those folks come from or out in the community. Um, but also, I, I, I'm also on the faculty at Southern University. Uh, which is an 1890 land grant here where I teach agricultural marketing. So I, 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 I wear several different hats. Got it. You also said something about 0.1 acres, which doesn't sound like a whole lot of land. Uh, what, do you, what do you tell someone with 0.1 acres to do? When you're growing that small, it's typically uh, high turnover, high labor intensive crops. And so, um, for example, I'll use an eighth of an acre as an example. We have some folks that are growing on an eighth of an acre down in New Orleans. And drive drive us have significant revenue potential with what they're doing, um, but they grow uh, specialty crops and it's high turnover, so they grow microgreens and things like that. So once they you know two, whether it's a two week turn two two or three week turnaround, when they pull one crop out of the field, they're immediately putting another crop back in the field. So it's highly labor intensive, um, but it's all about understanding what you can do, but also understanding what your market demand. And so. Um, usually with that small of an acreage um, to be successful is using some crop that's a high turnover, uh, consistent rotation and things going in the field. Um, and, and folks have been good at that. You know, you're not you're, with that type of, uh, of scale, you're not going to go sell at your, 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 your local grocery chain likely. Um, but you can set up, set up shop at, at the local farmer's market. And, and folks have been very successful at doing that. I'm curious what kind of folks you have coming through your program? Like, is there any common denominator that you see, you know, usually they're this kind of person with this kind of background or anything like that? Um, the number one, uh, number one thing that I get from, from our participants is they are interested in providing healthy and sustainable food to their local communities. Um, whether that's, you know, someone that has experience or not, have not had experience. Um, that's usually the common denominator. What we have found, so for example, so with our Baton Rouge cohort, um, the majority of the people, I'd say 75% of the people that applied to be in the program had zero farming experience. Um, they come from zero farming background. They don't have a degree in agriculture, but they understand the food system and they want to be involved in the food system and they want to grow food um, to service their community. Um, that's the level of demand right now that I'm seeing here in, in, in this particular in the south, southeast region of Louisiana. Um, but in that other 25 percent um, that's referenced in that cohort, some have been farm workers and worked on small scale operations, uh, whether it's fruit, vegetables or other different type of crops. So they have some experience. We have some folks um, that have access to, to land and, and want to figure out what to do with their land, but need some better direction. Um, as to what to do with the 10 acres of land that, that grandma left them. And so we try to, we try to help those folks put together a plan, uh, plan of action to do something productive with that land. Um, we also try to partner folks. And so if there are people in the program that have zero experience, uh, and they live, let's say that they live in an apartment, and they don't immediately have access to land. Well, how about we partner you with someone else in the co cohort 
so you can get the experience that you need, but also that person that has the land can get the help that they need to develop the land. And so, you know, farmer networking is big. Uh, the cohort model that we use of, of bringing everybody together as one has worked really well, really well for us. Um, and, and, and they end up training each other and providing opportunities to one another. So that's, that's been really exciting. That's fantastic. Yeah. One of the things I've definitely learned in the past, I don't know, even just a year or two is that networking is, is one of your most important assets. Um, you also, you mentioned sustainability. And I think one of the things that really amuses Hallie is when I actually remember things that we talked about in the past. And one of the things that we've talked about is sustainability is one of those words that can mean a lot of things uh, to different people. So when someone says they want to farm sustainably, um, what does that mean to you? Or, or what do you try to teach them to do that? We, we use a, a three-pronged approach, if you will. Um, first, developing a sustainable business. Um, and when I say sustainable business practice, I mean something that's going to be around for the long term. Uh, which means developing goals and objectives uh, about where you want to be in one to three to five to 10 years as a business. Um, we try to spend time talking about that. Um, from a soil management perspective, how are you being a good steward of the land that you that you manage or the land that you own? Um, good soil management practices can help with the overall efficiency of your crop. Uh, so talking about that, you know, that can be you know, no-till to minimal till to proper cover cropping to proper fertilization. Um, all of those things uh, go into play when you're talking about good soil management. Um, and then when we talk about production management, um, you know, making sure that they understand that if you, particularly from a production standpoint, are you being a good steward of the environment? So if you're producing crops, you know, uh, are you using things like pesticides? Um, and if you are, are they organic pesticides? And if you're using synthetic pesticides, um, how do you properly apply those things to be a good steward of, of the environment with your production management practices? And so um, for me, and, it, and it's something that for me has been evolving um, over time as I've talked to different people and I've learned more from a community perspective of what they mean or what they want. Um, and sustainable agricultural practices. And so we try to be very broad based in, in when we talk to folks. But what I tell our participants and what I tell the folks in the community when we talk to them is that um, sustainability is something that, like you said, it has different meanings for different people. But if I'm the producer, what matters to me uh, with, with my end crop is what my consumer needs to be sustainable. And so we try to use, you know, business soil and production management, but also understanding the consumer as a mean of defining sustainability uh, for each one of our participants individually, because that, that, that sustainability plan differs by person. Do you find that uh, once people get started, they tend to stick around for a while? Some. Um, we, we've, in, in our first cohort, um, we've had some people that realized that you know, agriculture and farming is hard work. Oh, boy. Um, I don't, I, I guess, you know, they thought that they could just go kind of hang out in a tree and sip lemonade and, and, and <laughs> live their life, right? Um, but you got to do a little sweating, right, uh, that's involved. And so that that allowed, seeing that allowed us to change how we taught in our program to talk more about the realities of farming um, and what farming and agriculture really looked like and the amount of work 
the labor that goes into being productive. Uh, we've talked more about that up front to folks. Uh, since COVID uh, has happened, we've seen an increase in, and there was a, a, a Gallup poll that came out a few weeks ago uh, that, that talked about how interest in agriculture and food system has increased um, over the past several months. Um, but inherent in, in that increase is a, a, a full lack of understanding of what actually goes into agriculture. Um, so we make a, a pointed effort to talk about what the realities are in farming. And that's actually led us to put together a, a quick webinar series talking about the realities of farming. So you know, folks say that they're interested, but if you're interested, I don't necessarily want to like to, to, to chop your interest per se, but I want you to understand what it is that you're interested in. Um, and so that's, that's, that's been, that, that's been the one, um, I think barrier for folks in, in leaving, um, or not being successful once they leave a program like this because they get a full understanding of, of what's required of them. What are the other barriers you see to people who want to start farming, to people who don't have much farming experience? And, you know, how do you get started? What, what are the things standing in your way? From a business standpoint, two things um, you often hear. Um, one, access to land. And two, access to capital resources, whether that's uh, loans and, and things to buy the equipment that's necessary. That's often a barrier. Um, the, the good starting point for people, I tell you, if you have access to land, whether it's, you know, a, a small backyard where you can start off with a small backyard garden, just get started. Um, I've spent probably the last year and a half traveling around to different um, meetings and conferences around the country where I've been able to engage with farmers. Um, and that's oftentimes the thing that they say, just get started. So if you have a small backyard where you can um, to, to start off in five, let's say five big pots where you just started the, grow, the process of growing, start there. I mean, just get your, your, your fingers in the soil. Um, and as you begin to perfect your trade, that's when you can begin to look at how to go into other areas. Do I need to get more land? Is this even for me? Um, understanding uh, what programs are available. You know, do I need to build a relationship with a land bank? Do I need to build a relationship with a local bank or try and you know, figure out what programs the USDA has to offer? Um, but just get started. Um, you know, if, if you had asked me, say, 15 years ago, um, if somebody growing on an eighth of an acre can bring in, or even a half an acre could bring in a hundred, say a half an acre, and can bring in a hundred thousand dollars of revenue in a year from growing on that half an acre, I would have looked at you and laughed um, because I come from a community of background where if you weren't growing several hundred acres, that's not a farm, right? Um, but by engagement with farmers, I'm learning that you know you have you start with what you have. I mean, there was a story. A guy, a farmer that I met in North Carolina, who started out uh, within half an, half an acre and eventually, you know, rented and acquired up. So I think it was like ten acres. Um, and I think he grew to having eighty acres, you know, finally within North Carolina. Uh, but that was a ten to fifteen year process of growing it. He, had to, he he was in construction, so his background was construction. Um, so he was construction full time and farming part time. Um, as he became better at the farming side of it. He, he eventually walked away from the construction side of it and went into farming full time. But it was a pro, it took it was a process of him learning the craft and the trade and the skill of farming 
in order to, to, to perfect what he was doing. And then he scaled up as he could manage more. And I think that fellow, he eventually, as recent as last year, was buying a plot of land in the Dominican Republic and was going to grow um, avocados or something like that in the Dominican and import them back to the United States himself. Um, that brother had a plan, right, to do that. Um, and, his, and his background was no different than anybody else who may be interested in agriculture. He just had the will to get started with what he had. I'm sorry, and keep in mind that I really know nothing about the economics of agriculture, but did you say $100,000 on half an acre? On half an acre. Um, wow. High rotational vegetables and specialty crops. Now, as revenue, we're not talking about profitability. Got it, so okay. It's a little different ballgame, right? Sure. But just the amount of money coming in. And, and, and you also have to think about it, too. When a, a farmer is selling direct at a farmer's market, you can often charge a higher price than you would, than you would selling at a retail setting like a grocery store. Yep. Um, and also, depending on the farmer's market that you have, you may, you may have a higher income clientele who, who are willing to pay a higher price point for that more locally produced goods, those more locally produced goods. And so it just depends on the market setting. But um, this one farm, there's one farm that I work with here locally um, that makes about $100,000 in revenue um, from their operations a year. And that was like in their, in their first or second year starting up. Nice. So it's, it's, it's and when you think about it, and, but, but also, you know, they are, you know, they're there day in and day out farming. Um, if we get bad with, we get a hailstorm that comes in and damages their crop, they immediately have to flip their crop, put another crop in the ground so they can consistently have that revenue coming in. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the closest thing that you can associate farming and agriculture to is gambling. Wow. Because you're putting something in the ground and you don't know what you're going to get back, right? <laughs> well, that's for sure. So, no, it's, it's been an interesting process. Uh, I'm teaching uh, some of these things, but I'm also, I'm, I'm more so learning from these things because since I've been engaged uh, in this area for, say, the past two and a half years, it's changed how I've taught even my undergraduate level college courses and talked about, more about the direct method. So it's been it's been pretty cool. I'm the student again, right? Well, uh, are the people you're working with, are they all coming to you or are you also trying to um, recruit people? So the first cohort, uh, they came, we put a call out for applications and they came to us. Uh, with this last cohort, we put out... Um, we, we put a call out, but we were more specific in recruiting people. And so working with our local extension agents to say, hey, do you have anybody who's interested in farming who may need training? Uh, or just you looking at our community partners and our community organizations that are doing local food system work and providing them some tech technical assistance to assist in training, uh, training the farmer, the small scale, the new beginning farms that they may be working with. Uh, it's about building those relationships in the community. For me, that's been the fun part. Welcome to the break. Hello. Hello. I would like to encourage all of our listeners today or tomorrow, I guess if you're listening to this tomorrow, but as soon as possible to go online and double check your voter registration. There are a lot of reasons why you might be, have become unregistered 
or perhaps you've moved and you've got to update your voter registration. Or maybe somehow you just mysteriously fell off the voter rolls. There is a lot of things that happen by mistake or on purpose um, where people get removed from voter rolls. So I highly recommend that you go online and you double check because most voter registration deadlines are coming up soon. And in some places, early voting is going to be opening soon. Um, And so I highly, highly recommend everyone to vote early, vote as early as you can, vote with a friend, create a voting plan. Let's vote. V-O-T-E. Make life good for bumblebees. Vote. Vote. I don't know if voting actually improves the lives of bumblebees, but I mean, you can't improve the lives of bumblebees without voting, that's for sure. Absolutely. Other than by planting native flowers for pollinators, which you should also do as well as voting. But let's do both. Do you know who I bet will vote for sure? And who will plant flowers for pollinators? We hope. Is our patrons, especially our starfruit patrons, Vikram, Lindsay, Mama Casey, Patrick, and... Cheyenne. And Cheyenne. And Cheyenne. Thank you so much for supporting us. We couldn't do this without you. And thank you for voting. Back to the episode. Back to the episode. I'm curious how, if you go to the party and you talk to folks who don't know anything about agriculture, how do you explain the importance of your work with new and beginning farmers? Um, at the end of the day, the, the most important thing is the end of the day, you got to eat, right? Um, and what you eat, how you eat, and how much you eat comes in from, comes from different different shapes, sizes, and forms of farming. Um, but from an economic development standpoint, there, farming is just it can can be just as lucrative as anything else that that anybody wants to get involved with, and so. If I'm talking to people about farming and people that are looking for an opportunity to to run a successful business, that's how I'm just looking at it from, from a farming standpoint. Because at the end of the day, farming is is is, is one of the only um, businesses or industries in the world where you have you have a consistent denominator at the end of the tunnel is that people have got to eat. And that's not going to change. And so as long as there's miles to be fed, there's opportunities for people to engage in farming. I love that. And I like to eat too. So, you know, I, you know, they can grow and farm and, and grow stuff and I'll come buy it from them. So, you know, there's always, there's always a consumer base and I'll be the first consumer, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of life's great pleasures. That's for sure. No, and, 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 and it's something with the, the, the thing, farming can also be like an art, right? You're, you're, if let's say you're you're a small scale farmer, let's say you're growing tomatoes and various varieties of tomatoes, some peppers, um, some different varieties of microgreens and lettuces and things like that. And so you take those very small seeds and you put them in a transplant, you put the transplant in the ground and you grow those transplants or those seedlings out to a product that a person can can eat. When you take that product to the marketplace and you're selling direct, say, at a farmer's market and you've established this relationship with your consumer, you now get to tell the consumer or the customer the story about that lettuce, that lettuce and that tomato that they bought from you, that they're going to put a salad, put in a salad on their table later today. You get to tell that, that customer the story about the food that they were eating. That's an opportunity that you don't get when you go to the grocery store. Uh, and so that's that's one area of benefit from small scale farming is that 
you know, if you're selling direct and you, you're that hands on with your production process, you get to meet and talk to your customer and tell them the story of the food that they're eating. That's an art in itself, right? You know, this is the same thing I've heard. We did a, a series on local food. And we heard that as a benefit for the customer. And, and Hallie, you've talked about this before where you go to a farmer's market and you can just ask the farmer what their growing practices are. And this is the first time I've heard it as a benefit from the farmer's side as well about how you get to do this and you get to tell your story of how you created this thing. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, you know, we, if, you, if you pay attention to, say, Apple, when Apple puts out a new iPhone, and the guy gets on the stage and tells his whole story about how nice and all the features that this iPod, this this new iPhone or or I, Apple Watch or whatever product they have coming up. They get on the stage and they tell a story to entice the consumer to buy the product, but they feel good about the story that they're telling. Well, there's no different in farming. I mean, you tell the story. It's gra- It's gratifying to know that someone cares about what it is that you do, um, and 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 that's a level of satisfaction that uh, that. Most farmers that sell at farmers market, they, they they get that and they enjoy that engagement with their customers. I do, in fact, watch those videos. <laughs> See, you know what I'm talking about, That's right? True. You probably got like the iPhone 15, just like like waiting on deck to order, right? That's true too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking a lot about specialty crops, and I, I mean, I'm from Texas. I don't know that much about Louisiana, but is that something that has historically been grown in your area, or is that changing now? I would say there's an opportunity here. Um, depending on what corner of the state uh, you're from, we've been a commodities-heavy state. And we do have some folks that are growing fr- fruits and vegetables here in the state, um, but we're probably behind the eight ball on other states, and, and, and there's various reasons for that. Um, if you grew up in the northeast corner of the state, like me, you knew cotton corn, soybeans, little sorghum, and a few, and a few other things. Um, if you're growing southeast, um, south central, you're looking at sugar cane. If you're southwest, you're looking at rice production and crawfish production. Uh, but there's opportunity uh, here to grow other things, and there's a market potential and market demand for a lot of these crops. And, and so if you look at a lot of your traditional farmers in the state, they're very set on the crops that they want to grow. They're not interested in, in, in growing a lot of these other crops like you know, the various kinds of specialty crops. And so that provides an opportunity for new and beginning folks to engage because there's a marketplace. Not only is there a, is there a marketplace um, at farmers markets and the development of uh, CSA models uh, to sell direct to consumers, but grocery chains, lo- more localized grocery chains are looking for food that was grown uh, closer to the consumer. Um, because it's a marketing um, tool for them. Uh, you know, they can put this locally grown, uh, say, cucumber in their store with the picture of the farmer that came from uh, 20 miles down the road, and that's, that's perfect marketing for them. And so there are just many opportunities uh, uh, within the state, uh, in Louisiana, for, for specialty crops. And the marketplace in New Orleans is caught on uh, a lot quicker than other areas of the state. Um, in, in, in New Orleans as a city is a salad in itself. I wouldn't say a melting pot. It's a salad because there's many different people mixed that are mixed into the city and they each bring their own value, um, individually to make the city great. And, and they've called into um, the local foods movement more quickly, more quickly than other areas of the state. And so now we're seeing some of that level of demand for local foods expand to other areas of the state. Um, Problem is, we got to have people to supply that demand for those products. And so um, 
that's why programs like this are important. And, and that's why a lot of the work now that I'm doing as a complement to our training program is to show that there is one demand for more locally grown foods and two, that there's opportunities, economic development opportunities in agriculture for the production of specialty crops. So what are you excited about right now uh, in food systems and agriculture? I'm just excited to be able to provide people an opportunity to engage in something that I'm passionate about. Um, it, you know, somebody provided me an opportunity to do, to do what it is that I love to do. And so if there are people passionate about getting engaged in farming and the food system, um, I'm excited to be able to provide them an opportunity um, from an extension standpoint and from a traditional agriculture standpoint. Um, a lot of these folks don't, uh, the folks that are now interested in there don't look like our traditional folks that come from um, rural towns and, and grew up on a farm. They're, they're just everyday folk that are just looking to make their communities better. If we can provide them an opportunity uh, to do those things and to be successful in those things, let's do it. Um, and I'm just uh, excited to be right there in the game alongside of them and putting, helping to push them along to make them successful. I think this is, of any of our episodes, this is the most where I've heard where, you know, in a lot of ways, agriculture is just so much about the people that are involved and that are in there doing it. It is. And that's something that I've had to learn over time because from a production standpoint, but also from a retailing standpoint, you know, you're just so used to, you know, large scale farms and you're used to just being able to the grocery store and just get whatever you need and not really have that connection. But when you think about agriculture at its core and, 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 and most things that we do, whether it's our families, whether it's our friends or whoever, when we come together, we come together around food, right? Um, so food is like this, this great uh, come together thing, right? It's like this great food that brings people together. You know, here in South Louisiana from about March to July, you know, we're real, real big on crawfish. And so we have crawfish boils pre-COVID, right? Uh, we have these big crawfish boils in our backyard and invite, you know, 20, 30 of our family and friends over. We just come together, eat crawfish, drink some cold ones and have a good time in the backyard. Uh, so food has always served as its come together role uh, for people. And now with, you know, everything that's happening with local foods, the expansions of expansion of farmers markets in, in different areas, it's bringing people together again and it's allowing people to have conversations that they wouldn't have had before, uh, particularly around the food that they're eating and where it came from. And so that that level of people wanting to know about their food is is. We haven't had that in decades, right? I mean, you talk to kids now and you ask them where eggs come from, they tell you Walmart. It says Walmart chickens. Walmart chickens, you know, they, you know, <laughs> it's, it's all in that back warehouse of the store. You, know, you just can't see them. <laughs> definitely those Walmart chickens. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't think those are cage-free. No, 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 no. They're more like, uh, you know, 20 to a box kind of kind of. Right. <laughs> well, Marcus, thank you so much for taking the time today. And joining us on the show, is there anything that you want to leave listeners with or anywhere that you'd like to point anyone who's interested in learning more about you and your work? Um, so for anybody that's interested in farming, in, in agriculture, and in getting engaged in the food system, I'd say just get started, right? Um, you don't need a degree uh, to grow things. If you have, if, if, if you have a bathroom, if you have a backyard, 
just start off in a, in, with, with a pack and try and grow something. Go to um, a local Walmart or a local seed store or a local nursery in your community and see what the seeds they have available, available and just start growing something. Just start getting getting your, your fingers in the soil and becoming one with the soil and, and, and seeing is, if, if that is truly something you enjoy. Um, you, you can't win the football game unless you kick off. You kick it off at the beginning of the football game, <laughs> right? And so your kickoff in, into agriculture and the food system is just to start growing stuff. Um, once you do that, you can figure out the rest. The USDA um, has a number of resources for new and beginning farmers um, that you can, you can, you can check out. Uh, there are also many um, nonprofit organizations in different areas that support um, people new and beginning farmers to get into agriculture and the food system. And so um, just get started. Like, well, don't waste time. Just do it. Like Nike, just do it um, and, and, and see if it's definitely for you. Amazing. Thank you so much. No, this has been great. And thank you for having me for this conversation. Thank you, Marcus. And uh, hook them horns. <laughs> Go Tigers. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of One to Grow On. This show is made by me, Hallie Casey, and Chris Casey. Our music is Something Elated by Broke for Free. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at One to Grow On Pod. Or join our Discord and Facebook communities and leave us your thoughts on this episode. You can find all of our episodes and transcripts, as well as information about the team and the show, on our website, onetogrowonpod.com. Help us take root and grow organically by recommending the show to your friends, or consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash onetogrowonpod. There, you can get access to audio extras, fascinating follow-ups, exclusive bonus content, and boxes of our favorite goodies. If you like the show, please share it with a friend. Sharing is the best way to help us reach more ears. Be sure to see what's sprouting in two weeks. But until then, keep on growing.